Welcome back this afternoon. You're listening to The 123 Show with me, Karen Coe, this Thursday afternoon. Thanks for joining me. Uh, this week is Wellness Week in Hong Kong. And what is that? Well, it's a week of events and special offers designed to remind you to take care of both your mind and body in our busy city. So, for example, tonight there's a high-sugar diet workout, if you think you have a high-sugar diet and you need to work out. Uh, that's happening at AIA Vitality Park. And there's also a seminar via Facebook Live about men's health. And in the next few days, there are workshops on things like whole foods, mastering your breath, and achieving good posture, among many other events. If you want to find out more, you can go to the website wellnessweek.hk. And uh, this is run in conjunction with the mental health charity Mind Hong Kong. So one aspect of wellness which has become popular in recent years is mindfulness. In fact, there is a mindfulness meditation scheduled for tonight as part of Wellness Week, but it's already fully booked. But don't worry, we've got you covered. Joining us now on the line is Kathy Zengs, who is a mindfulness uh, teacher, and she's also the convener of the Mindfulness Teachers Network in Hong Kong. So Kathy, welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Karen. Nice to speak with you again. Yeah, well, let's talk a bit, first of all, about you. Tell us about how you got into mindfulness and your sort of journey into mindfulness. Um, Well, a long time ago in 2002, I began meditation practice because I had a small child at home. I was a full-time mom, and I also had been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, which I was managing with insulin. So being stressed with a young child and trying to figure out how to manage a chronic illness, I read a lot of literature to find out that meditation might be something to take up to help. So I did. I started uh, a long journey that continues to today, learning about myself and how my emotions were, how my thoughts were, and how my body responded to meditation practices. And after years of doing that, probably five or six years ago, I understood that meditation and mindfulness practices could be applied in schools, Mm because I was watching my son grow up in a very competitive city here in Hong Kong with a lot of stress and expectation Um, and pressure on education and the kids. So I began to go and get training and understand what mindfulness was in the context of education. And that led me into learning about applications for students in education and adults eventually. Right. Now, there is, I think, I mean, mindfulness as a term is thrown around a lot these days. Can can you explain for people who are not quite sure, what exactly is mindfulness and also what is it not? (laughs) Right. Well, um, the basic definition is probably laid out by John Kabat-Zinn 40 years ago when he developed a mindfulness program. And that definition is learning to pay attention on purpose, in a particular way, in the present moment, and non-judgmentally. Non-judgmentally, okay. (laughs) Maybe not so simple. (laughs) Um, No. So So, learning about mindfulness is about learning to pay attention as things are right there in that moment. They may be pleasant, they may be unpleasant, 
but it's really learning to be fully present and learning to concentrate and be there in that moment. Now, the non-judgmental component comes in because our mind wants to offer opinions and critique everything that we do. So there's a bit of learning about where the judging mind arises to complicate things. Mm. So people, in theory, should be able to practice, practice mindfulness in everything that they do as part of their everyday routine. Yes? Uh, yes. Actually, if we learned to pay attention to a lot more moments in our life, then we would be f more fully present. But the researchers show when they study the mind that more than 50% of the time, we're thinking about the past, we're looking ahead to the future, we're worrying, we're chewing over something. And so we're actually not fully present with what we're doing moment to moment in our daily lives. Mm. Isn't, isn't that inevitable, though, that people are always going to think about what's coming next or, oh, I shouldn't have done that yesterday or this morning? Yes, and there's benefit towards reflecting over something that happened because we learn and we grow from that too. But sometimes we can spend too much time, too much time hashing over something that's already happened instead of being more present with how that's impacting our life, what emotions may be arising, how it may be affecting our physical health and our mental processing. And so it's learning to distinguish the fine balance of too much in the past, too much thinking ahead in the future, and what may be more beneficial to be more present. Mm. Now, I, th is the other thing that occurred to me is that mindfulness seems to be the direct opposite of multitasking, which and multitasking has been promoted as something we should all learn to do. You know, I pride myself on that I can do these three things at once. But is, is it actually not so great to, to be doing so many things at once? Um, probably not, because then if you're multitasking, then each task is not, not really getting your full attention. And I mean, from a technical point of view, I'm not quite sure you could multitask simultaneously on anything. It's really moment to moment doing one thing at a time. So we're kind of fooling ourselves when we think we're multitasking because it is very hard to actually focus on more than one thing at once and, and really do it well. Yes. I mean, imagine having a conversation with someone. If either of us in this conversation were doing something in the background at the same time, we wouldn't necessarily be fully present with each other in this particular conversation. Mm. And so what are the benefits of mindfulness? Why is it something that's worth exploring? The benefits of mindfulness, by, by bringing your full attention to something, you can be more aware of yourself um, in relation to yourself, you could be more aware of taking care of your health, but also in relation with other people, that in your engagement, either with family members or colleagues or strangers on the street, developing the ability to be connecting with others can be quite beneficial if you're more fully present and not distracted. Mm. or pulled in multitasking directions all the time. Right. Yeah. It's a way of waking up, waking up to our lives to discover what's there. Now, I know that 
um, in recent years, mindfulness apps, for example, have become very popular. You can download them to your phone, um, do a 10-minute you know, meditation, kind of a, a, a early morning thing or sometime during the day. And yeah. people, and you know, then that's it. So what do you think of, of that kind of method of, of doing mindfulness? Um, I think that apps on the phone are a great introduction to mindfulness. As a matter of fact, even taking it off your phone when you when you take medium or long haul flights on the airplanes, there are apps that are in the selection on the uh, channels on in flight, mm-hmm. and it's a nice taste of what mindfulness is. It's it's an ability to focus, release some busy thoughts, and pay attention perhaps to breathing or contact sensations of the body in the position that you may be resting. And it's a really nice way for adults, for children, and a lot of these apps style the programs for adult use, for children's use, sometimes with video and moving graphics too. So yes, I think they're a wonderful way to get started into the world of learning to develop concentration and focus and Mm. awakening. Right. And how might people expect to feel after a mindfulness meditation? Like, would they feel more relaxed or would they feel more energized or could they possibly feel either? Um, They can feel all kinds of things. Generally reported, some people feel relaxed because, for instance, if you've been asked to focus on your breathing or some contact points with the body, then you're releasing your thoughts temporarily and you're turning your focus on something else. And some people can find that that's very calming because one of the things is when we get anxious and we worry and ruminate, we're caught up in our thinking patterns. And as a release from that, we can depart from the thinking and concentrate on something else, like physical sensations of breathing, the sensations of our feet on the floor, and that can be very soothing for some people. Mm. Is it, is, so that's okay. Yeah, is, go is ahead. mindfulness something then that you can teach yourself? And where would and where would you need to bring a teacher in to further guide you? Um, the apps are a good place to start because they have guided meditations to teach people about training the mind. And it starts from like five minute exercises to 10 minute exercises. And many people find that helpful to learn to concentrate for short amounts of time. But then at some point, a teacher may be important to bring in or to connect with a teacher led course Because then it goes more in depth into the exploration of how the mind and the body are connected in stress and well-being. Because in the mindfulness courses that generally tend to um, last for eight weeks, it's a more deeper exploration of all the body system that's going on connected to each other. Stress physiology, thought patterns, habits different things to explore. Mm-hmm. So l- going back to your own story um, and, mm-hmm. and mindfulness in Hong Kong, I mean, Hong Kong is known for being a fast-paced, stressful place. People work long hours. They're often on early morning or late night conference calls overseas. They travel a lot for business. Many people live in small right. apartments with no outdoor space. 
How, how mm-hmm. does mindfulness help people cope with that kind of lifestyle? Um, oh, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> that's a big ask. There's a lot of stress. But, I mean, yes, there's a lot of stress. The mindfulness courses, it, there are many across Hong Kong, mm. taught in Cantonese, taught in English. Um, and people can go to learn how they are in relationship with themselves and in relationship with others. Now, all that stress being in the city, there's a way to learn about, well, how am I in relation with that stress? And am I dealing with it well? Is this busy job? How am I letting it get to me? And oftentimes, we neglect our own physical health because we're mentally pushing ourselves we're sort of pushing emotions aside in the pursuit of the the busy engagement that we have and oftentimes it can lead to sort of physical ailments and so it's learning about how all of that is linked together and what measures we could take for better self-care in a stressful environment. Right. Well, because I've done quite a few programs on mental health, and it's interesting that definitely some what we think of as physical ailments are really related to the mind. And um, it's just a, your physical ailments, just a manifestation of what's going on in your mind. Yes, you absolutely cannot separate the two. The mind and the body are an ecosystem that's a whole, and the emotions are in there too. So the whole ecosystem needs awareness to understand which part is dominant, which part is being ignored in care. Mm. And realizing that the mind can sometimes just push us through and ignoring when there might be symptoms of physical health gone wrong. And I mean, right now in Hong Kong, we have the additional stresses with the coronavirus situation. That's why you're on the phone and not sitting in front of me in in the studio. (laughs) But how might that affect our, you know, collective mental state? I mean, apart from worrying about, you know, where you're going to find the next roll of toilet paper. Right, exactly. Um, Although I did hear tissue boxes are on their way soon. Yay. Um, Um, The thing is, is, it's it's very contagious never mind the virus put the virus aside for a moment um anxiety is quite contagious because even going around in our daily life or talking with our friends we find that there are um you know there are levels of anxiety all around us in the news feeds and the social media and that sort of adds this undercurrent to all of us Now, one thing is to be aware when we're getting caught up in that flow, that stream of anxiety, and we're getting carried away by it. Because the truth is, it's very easy to just flow along with that anxiety. And that's when awareness comes in is, wait, have I gotten caught up in this? Am I starting to feel anxious and nervous? And how is that affecting me? So beginning to look at how the body is responding to that, how the emotions are, whether I'm waking up in the middle of the night and perhaps losing sleep or worrying about something that's going on at work or at home or with kids underfoot because they're not in school. And it's looking at that whole balance. 
And it's interesting because many organizations that are trying to give out advice are focusing on the basics. Are we eating well? Are we trying to get enough sleep? Are we exercising? Are we spending too much time at home in isolation? And these are all components and facets of overall well-being. So mindfulness actually brings awareness to how are we balancing each of these elements of our life. Mm, I think that's a great point because it is so easy to get caught up in this vortex of, you know, breaking news every minute on your phone and um, all the kind of hysteria of people worrying about the virus and how they're going to be affected, plus the physical situation of having to work from home or having your kids at home. So it is great to get that perspective. So what, yeah. Yeah. And so if someone is, is interested in starting a mindfulness practice or just learning more, what, what do you think is the best way for them to start? Um, I would suggest the apps. I think that that's a lovely way to begin um, because most people have a good smartphone here in this city and there are different apps. There's I can name a few. One of them that's very popular is called Headspace. Mm-hmm. Another is called Insight Timer. Okay, Insight Timer. All right. Another one is called Calm that's a great name. <laughs> um, the Mindfulness app. Okay, so... Smiling, okay. Smiling Mind. Uh-huh. I mean, there are many, and there are probably a dozen others that I'm not even, you know, up to date on because they keep coming out with more. But it's a way to begin engagement, um, to start pausing for five or ten minutes a day and just checking in with yourself, because it, it takes practice. It's an experiential learning. You, you could read a book about mindfulness, but that would be like reading a book about swimming. Right. And then when you go to jump in the pool, you're not going to know how to swim. And learning about meditation and mindfulness is the same way. It's experiential learning. So it's trying to do the apps. It's trying again, and it's trying again. <laughs> And also being aware that if for any reason it increases your anxiety, to be very alert to that. And then perhaps to seek some professional help because it's not meant to make the anxiety worse. Mm, It's actually meant to be more aware of when we may be getting carried away in the stream of sort of the whole social anxiety that's going on in our city. Yeah. Remembering that all of this is going to pass. We just don't know what it's going to be like in the coming weeks before the virus season ends. Yeah. Well, great point that it will pass. It's not going to be like this forever. So, Kathy, thanks so much for talking to us today and um, explaining to us a bit more about mindfulness. And by the way, if anyone wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to contact you? Um, Well, I do have a website. Um, My website name is mbh, like mindbodyhealthadvisory.com. Okay, great. Well, um, and I I can make one more suggestion for those that are willing to go in person. Many of the yoga studios around Hong Kong are offering meditation gatherings. 
and it's it's up to people, you know, whether they want to go in person. I understand that social distance is being practiced in many of these yoga studios so people can clean their space and go. Mm-hmm. And then a live teacher would be there to answer questions if they wanted to learn meditation or even connecting with yoga yeah. to check in with their bodies, how healthy and whole they still are. Yes, great idea. Well, Kathy, thanks again. Thanks so much for joining us today and, and talking welcome. to us about mindfulness. Okay. And we've been speaking with Kathy Zengs, who is a mindfulness teacher and convener of the Mindfulness Teachers Network in Hong Kong.